0: Any second, cool. All right, hey everyone, we are interviewing Neha Govindraj, CEO and founder of Bondside. It is a way for brick and mortar businesses to acquire funding and invest accessibility so that they can grow and scale their businesses so uh, Neha thank you so much for joining uh, we're really excited to uh, interview you and learn more about the the business that you've created um, and where the platform is but a little bit more about you before we get started um, what were you doing before you started Bonside?
1: Yeah and, and by the way thank you for having me I'm, I'm happy to be here um, so prior to Bonside I'll give you a little bit of background I went to Northwestern in Chicago yeah. From there, I worked at Bain & Company as a management consultant for a few years. Um, I predominantly worked in their private equity group and their consumer practice. Then from there, I did a short stint at Glossier back when they were a Series A company. And then wow. started a business called Glow Bar, based mm-hmm. in New York City, which has, um, we have six locations around in and around the city now, and yeah. we do 30-minute facials there. And then I, uh, just about a year ago, started Bonsai.
0: I love it. What, what, where, where was the idea and the thought as you grew through? Like it looks, sounds like cosmetics. Also, I love Glossier products. I use them, you know, shamefully um, and often. Um, and then Glowbar is, is definitely a predominant name that I've seen. But what what inspired you? I guess from um, you know Bain as a consultant to then becoming um, a founder and then now onto the new project. What was the thought process behind that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that I've always been a bit entrepreneurial by nature. Um, mm-hmm. I've always known that I wanted to be early stage and really be building things from the ground up. Um, my early years, at being, were really for me to sort of build that business toolkit to to enable yeah. myself to be able to then go and build from the ground up. Um, the inspiration for bonside, where that really came from, is I had a personal passion for for beauty and skincare, and that's what took me to Glossier and then Glow Bar. Um, but as I was building Globar, my eyes really opened up to this entire world of real estate and finance. Mm. And in, when you're building a brick and mortar business, you know, the early years, you're really focused on materializing your concept. So thinking about what's the operating model, the labor model, the price point, et cetera. Um, but once you get to a certain point, you've sort of built your playbook and it's the reason why, you know, a franchise exists where once you've built a playbook, you're really focused on repeating that playbook. Yeah. And as a brick and mortar business, your focus actually really starts to shift to be purely real estate and finance of, how do I multiply the number of doors that I have as effectively and efficiently as possible? And yeah. when I went to approach that problem, I recognized that there was a pretty big gap in the market in terms of who's actually servicing that need. Um, you think growth capital, you think venture capital. The two are synonymous. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and the reality of venture capital is it's really designed for the top 1% of businesses and mm-hmm. typically more, it's usually more B2B SaaS players than it yeah. is your traditional brick and mortar venture, CPG venture, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that the two are fully mutually exclusive, but there's uh, a much uh, weight towards the B2B SaaS players of the world when it comes to venture capital. Yeah. And so one of the things that I was surprised by was Well, if I still want growth capital, but I'm not going to venture capital to obtain it, where am I actually going to get it? And what I was met with was the SBA 7A loan, which is a very arduous process um, and oftentimes can't unlock the level of growth capital that you need Mm -hmm. or emerging cash advance, which, again, wasn't exactly the type of capital that I was looking for. Um, And so it, it started to inspire this this need to design a different asset class. That enabled investors to put capital into a different asset class than your typical angel investing might might unlock, um, and so thus the idea for Bondside was born.
0: So many things you said that that I, um, what I guess just just the, the consultants phase of of your life. Um, the different ways to scale business, and it sounds like um once it gets to a certain point there's like a repetition to it. uh what else did you learn like what were the key indicators or is that you were involved in? like, oh, like when was the light bulb um shown in your head on on like when and when and how this is supposed to be repeated?
1: yeah, so you mean kind of in the during my consulting days when yeah,
0: I... yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, I think. So I think that the learnings from Bain were probably a little bit more focused on actually just sort of building the reps in Mm -hmm. in terms of being able to grow and scale a business. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the the playbook point that you're making was more around when building a brick and mortar business, um, starting to recognize that there's these clear sort of key indicators for when you're ready for scale, right? So when you're building a brick and mortar business, you've got your top line revenue Mm -hmm. at a single location, so how much revenue your location's bringing in you've got your operating cost of of managing that revenue so how much are you actually spending on that location and then what you're resulting with is is the ebitda for that location and uh, how profitable of a location it is and so you're, you're constantly fine tuning that equation to figure out mm-hmm. how can I really maximize revenue and maximize EBITDA. And once you've sort of figured that out and you know sort of the levers that you need to pull in order to be in a stable spot with your business, you can then start to multiply that and say, okay, I've got the formula. Now let me go replicate this with subsequent locations.
0: I love that. I feel like are successful in in one location and they expand um, and and just or have a hard time kind of repeating that that formula over and over again do you think it's like a function of um, is it like a learning curve is it access to this type of information or is it simply like having the capital to then make that extra leap into you know a new business or, or you know the extension of what they've already created
1: yeah I think I think it's a number of things I think it can it can be um, lack of access to capital. So oftentimes Mm -hmm. you need capital to be able to continue scaling your operations. Um, It can also be resources, network, et cetera. So ensuring that brick and mortar business owners can be surrounded by the best in class network in the way that oftentimes businesses are surrounded by best in class networks. Um, And so it really depends on kind of the the business, the business owner, what you're building, et cetera, in terms of what may or may not equip you to, to scale effectively. Um mm-hmm. but one of the things that we're focused on at Bondside is we're we're really focused on cultivating a community of investors, accredited investors that are mm-hmm. looking to invest differently. And so yeah. typically um when you when you are an individual investing in a business, you're angel investing. And yeah. what yeah. that means is you're investing to own a percentage of the business. And at Bondside, we instead say, Hey, why don't you actually invest to own a percentage of their sales? Okay. Um and so yeah this community of investors that can invest in brick-and-mortar businesses in this manner and be able to just support their local economy and, and grow the businesses around them.
0: Yeah, yeah. When, when you say invest uh, in their sale, is, is, is the model, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is the model to then in a, in a portion of the company and then the company kind of buys back that investment or, or uh, with, with sales that they, they uh, make and generate?
1: Yeah. So here's how I would explain it. Um, so if you're if you're a Bondside member uh, mm-hmm. and you're investing on our platform, when you make an account, um, you'll see different opportunities that you can buy into. And so let's say you see a cafe that has three locations, and you go to this cafe every day. Mm-hmm. Um, what you now have the option to do with Bondside is you can the cafe might be raising you know two hundred thousand three hundred thousand members will have right. access to buy into that and say, okay, I'm gonna put in 50,000. If they put in 50,000, they have the opportunity to earn back, call it $75,000 on that $50,000 yeah. investment. Um, and when it starts is actually the next month. So I log in, I put $50,000 into a business and then starting mm-hmm. next month, I might own a percentage of that business's revenues. And so every month it's a variable amount of what I'm getting, but it's a fixed percentage of that business's sales. And I'm going to keep collecting right. that monthly payout up until I've hit my $75,000 return. Um, typically, most of our deals are, are generating their return within a three to five year period. But the yeah. faster their revenues grow, the faster you hit that 75 k And that's really my. where the upside lies. So it's a very different <laughs> profile than angel investing, right? Where you put that $50,000 in and it's probably in a hold period for 10 years and you're not really certain if you're actually ever going to see it again.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's awesome that it accrues and generates kind of over time. And um, just like what kind of traction are you now now seeing? Do you have a lot of members now part of the Bondside Network as investors and as businesses?
1: Yeah, so we are right now operating on a members-only platform just as we start to scale up our own operations. So Mm -hmm. we recently closed our first deal um, that was a medical spa with nine locations. And we had a bunch of investors into that. Their things, and they're now um, collecting, you know, monthly passive income, which is incredible. And we are actually announcing our next deal to all of our members tomorrow, um, which we're very excited about. It's a it's a buzzy brand here in New York, and um, now all of our members who probably go and frequent that business anyway will have the opportunity to yeah. to manage of those sales. Um, and so, can't wait! We, I can't wait. <laughs> Yeah. So one of the things that we, we do do is we, we really operate in sort of a um, a closed network or private loop. I think one of the things that I, that I faced when I was a brick and mortar business owner is I saw all of these businesses that were fundraising publicly. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny because if you think about the typical venture process, most of the times businesses aren't announcing to the world that they are fundraising for venture yeah. dollars. And so it's funny that when yeah. you are crowdfunding, all of a sudden there's this expectation that it's very mass and publicized and everyone can access your cap table. Yeah, um, yeah. And we've got a really private network. So we have a really awesome set of accredited investors, this really awesome set of businesses. But we're not putting our businesses on blast when they're fundraising. It's really kind of kept the private loop. Yeah. Um, and so so we'll, we'll get you as, as a member on the platform so that way you will be able to see it. But I love it. We ramp up to bring on this next business. We're right now just activating a couple batches of investors to be able to sort of bring in folks that we think will be excited about these deals.
0: That's awesome. What are the biggest risks that you see for your company right now?
1: I would say, you know, I think the biggest risk in in some ways already happened, right? So we're, we're betting on brick and mortar. We really believe in the future of retail. And um, obviously, you know, we just came out of a pandemic where, where yeah. brick and mortar had to completely shut down. Um, I think the the thing that we really sort of lean on is the fact that every business that's on our platform has survived a pandemic. And so they have survived the biggest risk that is possible to the future of our business. And so, um, you know, in some ways it's a risk, but in other ways we sort of look at that as a sign of resilience. And so, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're we're really bullish on the future of retail.
0: I love it. And I guess in long-term vision, what do you see Bonside, I guess, as a company and also the long-term effects of Bonside?
1: Yeah, so um I think I think long-term vision and the long-term effects is really twofold. I think first, um, we really envision a future where we can really play as the financial operating system for brick and mortar Mm -hmm. businesses and really sort of solve for a gap in in how they operate today. Um when you're operating a brick and mortar business, your first hire isn't a CFO. There's so much (laughs) that you have to get done operationally that it actually takes time before you can get to a state where you can actually afford to bring on a CFO and it actually is the right financial and economic decision for you to make. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that doesn't mean that you should have a blind eye to it beforehand. And that's where we can really sort of create our, our space in the market and say, hey, we're, we're there for you. And, and we can yeah. not only be your lending provider, but we can actually help you think about how to effectively scale. Um, on the investor side, I think, look, one of the, the awesome things about what we're doing is we're bringing a new asset class and we're normalizing it in a way that no one really has before and yeah. and we really believe in the power of community and what can happen when you organically get investors excited about backing really incredible stable businesses mm-hmm. and and i love to think about a future where we're all walking around and you know we're getting our morning coffee we're getting our afternoon yeah. lunch we're getting our drinks and where every time we're walking into that business we're saying hey i actually i i'm a part of this business's story i actually helped yeah. them finance and i actually am seeing that revenue on a monthly basis and so i'm interacting and transacting on a daily basis the incentives yeah. of like putting one foot in front of another are so aligned it's a, it's a beautiful future to think to think that investing in community can really sort of come together in that way
0: I love that I mean I, I, I can't tell you how many times I go to the same places because not only do I love the experience but also the service that they're providing or the food or whatever it is in, in terms of like what they offer and maybe they're not there um, it's, some, it's like that level of attachment to that business. I think most people want, you know, we want to know where to take people when they're visiting or in town, or where we don't want to know where to go. Um, is there any place like consistently that off the top of your head, you're like, oh, th- this is a place I'd love to get on the platform.
1: Ooh, you know, I mean, I, I can't say it's a single spot. I what I do like to say, though, is we're, we're creating the future sweet greens of the world. Um, I think that, that's that's sort of when we think about who, who we want on the platform, it's the businesses mm-hmm. that aspire to be the future sweet greens of the world. And it's the investors that aspire to be a part of that story.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, and then a bonus question. I always ask founders yeah. as they you know, build their businesses, who, who, who or what influenced them yeah. most or people you the most? As you know, whether it was early on in your career or currently, um, who or what is that?
1: Ooh, um, I can't say it's a single person. It's certainly not a single book. I don't. I don't think I anchor the books in that way. I love nuggets from different books. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's really sort of the folks that I have grown close with over the course of my career and the network that I've built around myself. Um mm-hmm. it's, it's always been so important to me to surround myself with folks who who really inspire me every day, even if it's my closest friends. Um mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to to be surrounded by just such a, an intelligent community every step of the way, and they've. They've all uh, played a major, major role in impacting the way I think and make decisions. And so I think my, the, the folks that are closest to me are the ones that influence me the most. And, um, yeah, I just think everyone's crafting their own journey. And so you got to learn from everyone.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, you're the second founder to bring a community in. Um, and I still haven't got an answer. How do you build that community? Where do you go to seek out that community, because a lot of people want that network, right? We all think about networking when we go to different events or around professionally. What where do you start with that network? Where do you build that? Where do you ask those questions? What is your, is it curiosity? You know, what, 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 bring, what can lead you to the network that will lead you to more success?
1: Yeah, that is such a great question. <laughs> um, I think it's it's so unique to each person. What I'll what I'll say mm-hmm. about myself is I actually used to be really intimidated by the concept of network and networking, especially yeah. in my early twenties. <laughs> yeah. I think the thought of you know going to a crowded room where I don't know anyone or needing to raise my hand in a QA or things like that, um, they, they just didn't resonate with me. It wasn't it wasn't my style. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I could build a meaningful relationship that way. Um, I was, I was more focused on the insecurities around it rather than the, yeah. <laughs> the network aspect, right. And so, um, ultimately what I found that worked for me and I, and I kind of reflect back over, you know, how has my network grown in the way that it has it's, it's been a matter of just taking every call and being so deeply present in every conversation you have the conversation, mm-hmm. even if you only have three calls on your calendar, show up like 200% for those calls and those calls will another three calls each. And so, mm. if you are hyper present in every conversation that you are already having, you will open doors naturally because people want to be around people that are present and infectious. Yeah. And So, um, I think that you know, if you're not someone that can just jump into a room and just sort of like work the room, yeah. um, be cognizant of, of how you right. are working the rooms that you're already in.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. And last final thing, where can we find you? Where can we support Bondside? How? And maybe as an investor as an investor, what can to support bond
1: I love that question. Um, so we are, uh, we're on Twitter, Bondside Inc. Um, our website is Bondside.com. Um, there is a join our beta button, where you can sign up to get approved as an accredited investor. We are checking that wist- list weekly. Um, you just drop your first name, last name, a LinkedIn profile, and then we, we're constantly scanning that list and, and onboarding folks to our platform. Um, that's where, that's where you can find us,
0: yeah. Thank you so much, Neha. It was such a pleasure learning from your experience, your background, and how to support Bondside, and also how to support these businesses that we frequent every day. Um, I'm really excited to have you on um, Behind Company Lines and uh, wish you the best of luck.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you.